Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Fixed Income Conversation Corner podcast on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel for our first conversation of the series in 2022. Excited to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, as well as Dwight Scott, the Global Head of Credit for Blackstone. Plenty to cover today, including some timely commentary around recent rate moves, Fed policy, and of course, time will be spent on how to think about positioning within the asset class. So Leslie, Dwight, welcome to you both. Uh, Leslie, let me pass it over to you to lead today's conversation with Dwight. Welcome. Thank you, Dan, and, and thank you, Dwight, for coming on. We really appreciate your insights and thoughts, and this is a sector and topic of conversation that's, that's very important to you know myself, our advisors, and our clients. So thanks again for taking the time. Leslie, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, listen, I, you know, I want to start out, Dwight, and listen, the first 11 days of the year have been obviously, you know, very volatile and a bit, you know, too familiar in the sense that what we saw what happened in the beginning of 2021. But let's sort of take a step back from the first 11 days. And, you know, I'm just curious what your outlook was or what the market outlook was for 2022, even, you know, before we ended, before we started January 1. So if you just give us a bit of your outlook from the things that you learned from or expect, given the data in 21, just your outlook overall for 22. Well, you have to put the beginning of 22 in the context of, of where we ended the year in 2021. We were already beginning to hear and see more consensus view that, that inflation was not going to be transitory in the way that we had originally thought, the market had originally thought. So there was already some caution creeping in. Um, that caution was creeping in in a, in a market where spreads were tight, yields were low, um, and, and equity was, had had, was coming off an extraordinarily strong year. So I'd say as, as, we, as we worked our way into year end, there was a little bit of caution building into the market, and, and we would have shared that caution, particularly around rates, because we were seeing across our portfolios more persistent inflation, significant growth in earnings, which is obviously good for credit portfolios, but we were seeing alongside those that earnings growth, we were seeing more um, wage inflation, for instance, which we viewed as being more uh, permanent uh, types of inflation coming into the system. So we came into the year a little cautious uh, about the about the credit markets and, and probably a little more optimistic about what the underlying economy was going to do. Now, and, you know, until and probably not cautious enough about what Omicron was going to do, we started to see that late in the year, very late in the year. But but I would say none of us could have foreseen what we're experiencing now. I, I do believe that as long as Every time I turn on the TV, I see Dr. Scott Gottlieb there talking about um, uh, COVID. It, the market's going to remain somewhat disrupted uh, until there's some direction that we all see there. So when we think about, you know, do I do, and we and we think about sort of like the FOMC in December, which, by the way, started sort of this this a bit of a hawkish ball rolling, and then the market reacted to some of these hawkish minutes, even though a lot of it was already known in the marketplace. There was, there was some variables that was that wasn't quite expected, such as, you know, are we going to you know reach full employment sooner than sooner than what's expected? The market's already sort of known this higher for longer inflation and you know, combined with lower for longer interest rates is a bit of an enigma. But, you know, when, when it turns to a more hawkish view in terms of are we reaching, you know, for employment, the discussion of the potential of, 
you know, unwinding the balance sheet or what we, you know, call quantitative tightening, um, you know, shifted to not on the question of if, but a matter of when, you know, what are your thoughts on this? And, and, and how do you look going forward? The market might interpret these kind of moves um, and how it might sort of influence fixed income as a whole. Well, I, I think that, first of all, as, as we live and breathe in the markets every day, so setting aside, uh, you know, Fed interpretation and, and, and economic interpretation, as you live and breathe in the markets for the last, I don't know, decade, um, one of the overarching factors of the market has been there's been has been the amount of liquidity that's available in the market, and that's been part partially because of all the stimulus that's come in, partially because of lower rates, uh, partially because of growth, but but that stimulus has provided all of us comfort when we started to have the wall of worry about whatever it is we were worried about, China growth being slower, um, um, commodities falling, whatever it was, that liquidity has been a safety blanket for us. And, and, and as you now start to think about the Fed pulling back liquidity out of the market, as you start to think about inflation and what that might mean for investment opportunities and, and earnings power, it started to uh, you know, create this level of worry and that has is now coming into the market, and it's particularly. You said something in your in your most recent report. I was reading it in preparation of this, and I think this is something we all have to get our mind around. You said, you know, if 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 in 2022 the 10 year ends the year at a two percent yield from the beginning of the year of one and a half, then you're going to lose. I don't know, two and a half. You're going to be down two and a half percent. That's what happened effectively in 2021. Um, and you, you highlight that that's not happened since 1974. I think one of the big overarching risk analysis that we all are kind of have somewhere back in our mind today is we have all lived through this period of really um, attractive bull market in rates. Um, we, I think we all kind of agree that we're towards the end of that period, if not at the end of that period, and we're, we may face these times where you see um, particularly fixed income, uh, long-duration fixed income, being a place that is uh, at risk. Returns are at risk. Certainly real returns are at risk. They have been for some time. And, and as you lose that safety uh, valve, uh, where do you put the capital and how do you think about investing capital in an environment where, where fixed rates may not be the place to be? Uh, you've seen already flows, $46 billion of flows last year, into um, loans, which are effectively a way to manage around that through um, through floating rate exposure, I think you'll see that that transition continues significantly in 2022 as the market looks for for return, um, looks for yield and return, and, and and we see that not only in the retail investors that we manage capital for, but we see that very much uh, in the institutional markets uh, where we also have you know, a more traditional drawdown structures and things like that where, where our investors really want that higher return um, floating rate exposure. So when we think about that, Dwayne, and, that, and that's, that's, you know, essentially because, and, you know, obviously is, you know, we fully agree with that, with that outlook, but, you know, and we also agree that things like real yields have been, you know, made much too negative, you know, for a long period of time. And, you know, as we see this rise in real yields, you know, our expectation when people look about this, you know, look to quote-unquote inflation hedge, you don't necessarily go to TIPS, but you can go to floating rate assets, right, is that inflation hedge, particularly since TIPS got so expensive last year, given how low real yields went. But now as we sit on a two-year yield of like 95 basis points, you know, the, the market is pricing in, 
you know, if you look at the swaps market, it's like a 1.2 Fed fund rate at the end of the year. So that's, you know, you know, you know, four and a half hikes, you know, quantitative tightening, quote unquote, is getting priced in. So when we think about rates in the short duration, how much further, you know, do you think that we could go in terms of rising short end rates or, or what's your overall outlook of that? Or is simply the market, you know, pricing it enough right now? Well, let me answer that in a little different way so that I don't have to forecast rates because I'm, I'm, I'm scared to do that and I don't do it very well. Um, I do think rates are trending higher. Um, as we have looked at the market for the last, you know, six to nine months or so, we've said consistently to our investors that as um, corporate credit investors, uh, there is more rate risk in the fixed income markets than there is credit risk. And and you talked just, just then about some of the, the rate the, the, the drivers of increasing risk that rates rise and therefore you lose value as a fixed income investor. On the other side of the, of the, uh, of the um, table is really what's happening in the underlying credits, which is actually quite strong. Last year, default rates in high yield were 50 basis points and, or 30 basis points in high yield, 50 basis points in leveraged loans. We have seen consistent um, significant increases in earnings power and therefore uh, a fall in, in leverage ratios across high yield, uh, for instance, throughout um, 2021. The, the average private equity deal, which is, you know, which a lot of those um, transactions go into the levered loan market was, you know, was financed at, uh, in, in, if you go all the way back to 2005, it had 68% leverage in it um, on the loan to value, and today it's below 50%. So there are a lot of things that you see happening in the market that are causing us to be more constructive on credit risk. And on the other side of that is there the, the, the issues that are causing us to be more cautious on rate risk. And that's why we've tended to move our portfolios into floating rate, into originated product, which is which has a little more yield in it, um, and, and into products particularly – like leverage loans where you can have, um, you know, a reasonable uh, chance to use leverage that's effective and doesn't significantly increase the risk. If you look at what happened with CLOs in 2021, where you had, you know, all-time high issuance, I don't know, 180 some billion of, of net new issuance in 2021, the CLO market is going to continue to see that interest from the market because you can get higher rated assets in the CLO structures, and then you can also um, uh, play the play the lower rated parts of the of the capital structures and CLOs and get a little higher return. And the market likes that right now because you can do all that without taking too much long duration risk, uh, which which you have to take in the fixed income markets. And yeah, and and, and it's interesting, George, because you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of the what do we call these favored allocations heading into 22, you know, loans and CLOs, they're they're definitely. You know, favored in terms of our outlook and, and it seems to be a common theme like on the street. So when, when, one of the questions that we're always asked is, you know, when we talk about, and everyone loves the answer to these, you know, black swan unforeseen risks, which are incredibly, you know, difficult to predict. But when we talk about things such as, you know, we have historically low defaults, we have really high recovery. And the response is, well, yeah, we have, you know, a GDP, which is two, two and a half times the, the average that we've seen. You know, what do you think these the risks are going forward? And again, these aren't necessarily things that we that have a high probability of occurrence necessarily this year. But what are some of the things that you, that you might kind of take a step back or, or really, you know, 
keep you up at night, if you will. Well, at its core, that's what when I said earlier that the end of this 35, 40 year bull market in rates creates an overarching re, uh, risk that none of us fully understand how to manage around. So if you believe, and, and I think Byron Wien had in his 10 surprises the, the chance that the 10 year would get to 275 this year. If you believe that the 10 year would get to 275, if you believe that inflation is, is higher for longer and rates tend to, to drift up from, from where they are today and, and, and to the higher end, maybe even up to 3%, which is what happened kind of in the, in the taper tantrum, you could convince yourself that that would have uh, an impact on the equity markets where, where you've seen particularly in, and you see that, that happening early this year in the, in the much more highly valued assets that have much longer effective duration, those interest rates do have an impact, can have an impact, not just as alternative investment alter, uh, opportunities, but as discounting uh, mechanisms for the value of those firms. So you could convince yourself that you, you would see some disruption in the equity markets. You certainly can convince yourself that the fixed income markets, the, the, uh, the, the rates markets would be a tough place to be unless you had to be there for duration matching. And you would therefore want to be in, a, in, in credit markets where you felt like you could have some floating rate exposure and you would not have a lot of, uh, you know, and you would have some protection from downside. So that's that's where we've been kind of positioning around, making sure that if you do see that equity market correct, particularly in the high high multiple assets, uh, making sure that you're in those assets at a at a reasonable part of the enterprise value structure, making sure that if rates go up um, and you you don't get sort of hit too hard on your fixed income portfolio, so you switch over to floating. And also make, you know, one of the things that the loan markets give you a little bit right now is you can be senior in the capital structure, you're senior to high yield even. And so, as you mentioned, if something does go bump in the night, let's say that we're wrong about all this and you have a recession in 24 or 23 or 24, and that recession is relatively um, difficult, you are at that point, at least you're positioned in the top of the capital structure. So those companies that come under pressure, you have a much better chance of, of, of making the kind of returns you need in that situation, in that defensive situation where the market is is under a little more pressure than it is today. And it's not under any you, – you point this out, but I, I just – if you want to go try to play I'm going to pick the broken names kind of game today, the traditional distress world, it, it, there's, there's $19 billion of loans trading below 18 uh, – below 80 cents on the dollar right now. That's 1.3% of the market. That is an all-time low. It's it's just um you know that's a there you cannot you can't be a distressed opportunistic investor in this market today. You have to you know kind of play for safety and and let the market um, have this volatility and then maybe you'll have that opportunity again. Well, that that actually brings up an that actually brings up an interesting point because a lot of a lot of questions that we get particularly in the senior the senior loan side, right, is that. You're 98, 90 half, 98, 90 and a half dollar. You know, you're, you, there's not, you don't really go above far very often. Do you think there is now a sort of price compression that we're seeing within these sectors? Um, that listen, like most others, right? It's based on, it's going to base, be based on mostly carry and coupon versus price appreciation. But I mean, do you think that you've kind of hit this wall in terms of extracting that kind of value? Uh, I do think the combination of, the fact that loans have very low duration and, and very low call protection 
and and that the spreads have tightened significantly over the last couple of years means that when you invest in 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 the loan market you need to look at your return being mostly your yield so i think that's true for sure today um i think in the high yield market it's a little different obviously you you had the benefit last year of having you know spread uh spread tightening so you had a five whatever 5.2 percent net return last year um, I think in high yield today, you have to be a little more cautious because while it's shorter duration than investment grade, it still has some duration embedded in it. And if those spreads gap at all, at the same time you have rates uh, gap, which they are doing right now, you end up having a loss. And as a matter of fact, in the U.S., you're down for the year in high yield and you're up for the year in um, in loans. That could continue, I think. Uh, so so as you as you think about positioning a portfolio between high yield and le- leveraged loans, which a lot of our clients do think about that positioning, um, you, you should be cautious. That's why you're seeing, you know, as I mentioned before, that's why you have seen so much flow, uh, in retail flow into the loan market and, and, and not, not to the same degree, but some flow out of the high yield market. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I and mean, we completely agree, by the way. One of the things that we caution about, you know, on the high yield side, although we appreciate the larger exposure to commodity and oil, which is a great, you know, it's funny because we have oil five, six dollars in the first 11 days and yet high yield does have a negative total return because it's located around the five year, right? And it's an area of the curve that we don't particularly like, we haven't liked. And that's one of the things that we really cautioned on in terms of the sector. Although we like you know, energy overall, you know, the, the curve positioning has been definitely a headwind to, to performance. But thank you, Dwight. I, I really appreciate it. It was very insightful. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks, Dan. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.